0: Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your host, the Battle Bro, Taylor. Yep, it's just me today, no Isaac. Um, A little too tough for us to get together as often during the holidays, so you get to hang out with just me today. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about a little bit of news and then my tips for teaching flesh and blood to new players and we will finish up with some signature segments, and we will also have a brief interview um, with my friend Thomas, who was here uh, last month from Seattle, and I got a chance to teach him the game, and he had some I thought interesting perspective, and he's just another um, person in the community to give a a voice too so I thought it was uh, an interesting interview I had with him and hopefully you guys will enjoy that so uh, first up is our shout outs so I would like to shout out um, my local game store and friend Barry Osser and his the local game stores North Coast role-playing he has started with uh, some of the people he regularly role plays with a podcast, um, a live action podcast role playing situation. It's called the Tuto Rebellion. It's based in the um, Dishonored universe from the video games. Um, so you can find those things on. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook at NCRP Productions. It looks like it's going to be really good. Barry is a really charismatic guy, and he loves role-playing games. Like That's his that's his deal. So it's going to be, I think, a really great production, and the preview and the artwork they got going for it already is really good, so I'm really excited about that. So shout-out to NCRP Productions. My other shout-out is to Kenny... For his article on channel on channel Fireball for um, his hopes for 2020 from Fab, uh, I thought that was a really great article, and it has a lot of similarities with uh, things I hope for as well. Um, so check that out. the The main point from that that I really enjoyed was that he hopes that they they expand the current classes, the current eight. I guess there's technically 10 classes uh, for players to play. Um, I mean, as I know, I have pretty big class loyalty to Runeblade and would love it if they expanded on those themes and that card pool and uh, there were more deck-building options for that class and rather than them coming out with potentially new heroes. I think there probably will be some new starter decks. Um, My guess is that they will be based on the adult versions of the heroes we got that are the young versions. Um, So maybe we'll get an adult Kasai, adult Kao, adult Datadol, which is kind of funny. Um, Just Datadol, maybe 2.0 and maybe The Merchant or uh, Cheyenne, shapeshifter, so we'll see. Um, Or maybe we'll get some heroes we haven't seen yet as adult versions, who knows. But um, that's what I'm looking forward to um, in 2021 from Flesh and Blood. Speaking of 2021, we have a release date now for Monarch. That's going to be April 30th, a bit later than we thought it was going to be, we were all hoping for March for a release date. And now it's the absolute end of April, which um, around my household, April is our least favorite month for whatever reason. (laughs) So at least there will be something to look forward to during that month, which is pretty interesting in regards to I'm unsure what uh, LSS is going to do Uh, until then. My guess is, right, that we do get some new hero starters um, or that sort of thing. But what I really think we can count on is that there will definitely be some more information after the new year, um, some more concrete details they give us, maybe some more um, spoilers or just plans and that sort of thing. Um, So also in the news, we know that Crucible is completely sold out and that LSS doesn't have any plans to reprint Crucible of War. And there's mixed feelings in the community. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. But most people feel like that's a pretty negative situation. And I'm not so sure about that. Like, uh, yeah, if I'm a new player, I would love to be able to get the third set, a box of it, the cards from it, um, and that sort of thing. Um, but if I'm a brand new player, if I were to just pick up the game today or this holiday season or the beginning of the new year, or I've only been playing for a couple of months, I would have plenty to play with, with just Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising. Um, the fact that, most people are probably going to be in a super small meta if they're allowed to congregate together anyway. Um, and most of the people in that, in that little meta or in that area will have the exact same amount of access to cards. Now, if those cards in Crucible never get reprinted like in monarch or the sets after that then there will be like an advantage worldwide to players that have been able to get those cards compared to players who haven't potentially right um but it the fact that crucible isn't maybe going to get an unlimited print doesn't bother me too much um mainly because if a community of flesh and blood players is starting up right now they kind of are all on equal footing so to speak um it's only when we get to the highest level of competitive play and we're talking worldwide here that potentially not having access to those cards could affect the player base but right now people are still discovering the game um still learning the card pool etc so i don't think that it is going to be as detrimental to the growth of the game as maybe some people think it is now i totally could be wrong and i fully admit that but that's my opinion and um we're just gonna move forward from that so anyway a couple of other things here on the list I have is in the future here, starting in the new year in January um, me and Isaac have started to film some of our in-person games and we are learning how to use video editing software and other things Um, we're going to put some commentary tracks over the games we play so we can provide some kind of in-depth insight and, you know, some of our uh, uh, kind of our whimsy that we're known for and just our, you know, our podcast vibes over our uh, gameplay videos. So look for those coming out. Um, I'll make sure that there's an announcement on our social medias and that sort of thing. Um, but trying to help... Um, kind of the presence on YouTube with real-life gameplay rather than TTS gameplay. Um, speaking of social media, I have started up an Instagram for the podcast, so you can find us on Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. Please give us a follow over there if that is your preferred social media outlet. I know everybody has um, different ones that they like and don't like. And that sort of thing. So, we're over there now, for uh, for you to check out. Okay, so let's get into our main topic, which is going to be teaching new players Flesh and Blood. So, if you are getting to go home for the holidays or having some friends over for the holidays, you know, small groups, um, everybody's being safe, etc. You might want to be teaching your Cousin or your friend who you haven't seen in a couple of months, um, flesh and blood, because you want someone to play with. So, um, these are going to be some of my methods and pointers uh, for teaching flesh and blood. So, first off, obviously you want to give a quick quick overview of the game and the mechanics, um, and it's always better to have them. Uh, learn with the cards in hand right rather than you just like okay here's a deck but before you pick it up let me tell you all of these things sometimes um, it's better to kind of get right into the game Um, but also with that being said LSS has a really great like six minute YouTube video that is animated and really well does a really good job of showing you the basics of the gameplay mechanics so um, you could show that to your potential play partner that you're teaching the game it only takes six minutes and it's like very clear and then if they have any questions you are the expert and should be able to clear that up Um, so that's, that's one route. Uh, Another route, obviously, is to give them the cards and explain the different card types, that there are attack and defense reactions, there's attack actions, non-attack actions, pitching, and then the steps of defending and that sort of thing. Um, And then just, you can hop right into a game pretty quickly. I mean, when you think about it, right, the mechanics of the game are pretty easy. Uh, You... Try to get your opponent down to zero life before they can do that to you. And you attack and then they get a chance to defend. And then there's reactions and if not, we just calculate how much damage is dealt and move on. You pitch your cards to generate those resources. Using dice helps to keep track of how many resources you have. So I recommend using that as a way to help them keep track of when they pitch a blue and they play a red card that costs one with go again that they can keep track of how many resources they have for the turn and that sort of thing and then you know obviously pitched cards go back to the bottom and they'll see them for later and then you're off to the races basically Um, another pointer i have is that you should know your audience so People learn in a variety of ways, as we know. Um, Some people are kinesthetic learners where they need to go through the motions and learn by doing. Other people don't mind listening to a lecture and absorbing information auditorily that way. Um, And then some people need to see it happen without touching it, but also hear it happen. So the, the video or you going through a turn as the first player, is potentially uh, beneficial. So you kind of have to know your audience a little bit that way and listen to the player you're teaching about what they would enjoy the most for learning, right? So um, a mistake I see um, just in the teaching world and coaching world is where I work um, is that the teacher the person explaining the event will be kind of down this path of explaining but then someone got lost along the way and they then talk about how or perhaps raise their hand and are like actually could you go over that or that doesn't make sense but then the teacher says well let me finish my thought right and then it'll maybe make sense but it definitely isn't because that person is sitting there going um it still doesn't make sense doesn't make sense and then they finish and then they still have the exact same question Um, so maybe going back initially when they have questions is a good way to go um, as well so let's say you get through the first 10 minutes of explaining right and then now you're in a game so just go ahead and play the game the best that you can and they can Um, I recommend putting together starter decks or blitz decks or something that's a little bit more on the simple side and doesn't have kind of the complications that a full constructed deck could have. Um, Something like ninja I think is really easy to pick up. There isn't a lot of math about um, your economy cards and how you're going to pay for stuff because everything's so cheap. So it means they can kind of just play cards and that always feels fun when a player gets to uh, play a lot of cards and that sort of thing. Um, with that too, when you're, when you're with your partner playing an actual game, it's fine for them to make mistakes. Um, and I don't mean like playing cards when they don't know how to play cards, but doing something where they're continually playing all the cards in their hand and they're not arsenaling or they do arsenal a card and it's maybe something that is harder to play and it's stuck in there. Um, Those sort of moments are really good for them, or they don't overblock a certain attack for the character to stop a hit effect. Um, You always learn more when you are the person making the mistake, right? If you were to do a thing and then the person who's the expert across from you this says, well, do you really want to do that? Because there's all of these decisions involved in that. And if you do that, then I'll do this, etc. cetera. And the better play right here is this, right? That doesn't really teach that person that better play. That just teaches that person that you know more about the game than they do. And they already know that. So if you just let them go through those mistakes, then those will stick much better than if you were to continually correct them, right? So it'll it'll be much more in the forefront of their mind if it's a mistake they have made and that sort of thing. With that being said, you also kind of have to check your ego if they uh, beat you, or don't like the particular deck that you've given them but still want to play some more, um, there's no reason for you to feel like that's an affront to you or anything like that. Like Whenever you're learning something for the first time and you're brand new, some people, um, that transitional period is easier for some than others where it can be pretty vulnerable of a time going up against someone in a competitive game where there's a clear winner and loser, where one person has a huge upper hand and knows a lot more about the game than another person. So that's a really vulnerable place to be in. And to understand that will help you uh, make a better learning experience for the person you're trying to teach. Um, further on, some people do like to have that amount of knowledge up front so they like to get front loaded with a bunch of knowledge and maybe want you to kind of hold their hand through every decision and through the first game or so playing open-handed is totally fine and running them through why decisions are important and other decisions um, is sometimes really helpful for other players so you really kind of have to know your audience like i've uh, said before and some good tips to just give to new players Right, so the arsenal is a really important part of the game but for new players it's hard for them to perhaps think about the value of that spot so a good kind of general tip for new players to use is that they should be arsenaling reactions for later turns Right, so you don't always have to play the zero cost defense reaction from hand you could arsenal it now and play it on a later turn and that will give you a better offensive turn Or you don't always have to play that attack reaction this turn. You did get some damage through, and you could arsenal it for a later turn to have a better offensive turn. Um, Making sure that they understand that they should sometimes pitch some reds. So that is something that they should think about. Um, Whether or not they do it, it's up to them, but that is a good tip for if the game goes late enough, that they will have some reds to play with. But of course, if they don't, and their threat density goes way down and the game goes long enough, then that is a mistake they have made in that they will learn, like, okay, I do have to pitch some reds. Um, saving ge- gear for later parts in the game is also important, right? And giving them that tip is okay. It, but it's also okay if they blow their gear on the first turn to just be like, haha ha <laughs> you know? Uh, they'll realize that if they're playing ninja that they kind of needed that iron rot stuff to stop the Kodachis. Um So that is kind of all I have for teaching new players. Um, obviously, you don't want to beat them down with like your best deck, right? Like, I think that is obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like When you hand a player two decks, don't go, this is my main deck that I always play, and here's this other deck, and you can play it, and then just beat the living crap out of them with your really good deck. Or vice versa, if you have a really complicated deck, something like a Azalea or Wizard or even Runeblade, um, it might not be the... Best idea for you to hand them a really complicated deck to play because then they're going to say, "Well, this game's too hard for me. Um, I don't want to play anymore." <laughs> so, the the goal in teaching someone new to the game is that you create a new player, and during your holiday vacation, you have someone to actually play with, right? So that that should be your main goal. Is you don't need to have. Um, world's level of competition day one but you will get that you get to play the game with someone and that's really important so those are my tips Um, if you have any other tips please uh, email us or leave a comment on our facebook that would be really great up next is going to be my interview with my friend thomas like i said at the top of the show Um, and we kind of talk about his initial impressions of the game so i hope you enjoy that here's uh me and thomas well hi thomas welcome to the podcast
1: hi taylor happy to be here
0: awesome um so as i probably said earlier in some point of this podcast we were going to have an interview okay and so for the listener again this is uh this is my good friend thomas um thomas you're from seattle that's correct awesome yeah and you're down here at my place um just hanging out for a long 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 weekend
1: yeah pretty long stretch Just kind of getting out
0: yeah it's nice. totally um and part of the perks about coming on this little bit of vacation is that i've been teaching you flesh and blood
1: yeah that's been super amazing i've been r- really enjoying it mm-hmm. um it's been a really fun time
0: Yeah, so we've played uh, a bunch of games now. Uh, You got a grip of cards from uh, one of our partners, Fab Foundry. Yeah. Um, And we've put together, or you put together, a bunch of starter decks, and we've just been uh, jamming games.
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting to learn the game game through the starter decks and just kind of feel out what pacing and resources and just make a bunch of mistakes and make a bunch of punts.
0: <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. Um, so let's talk first of the people want to know who you are. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, your your likes, your dislikes, sure. your uh, credit card number. No, I'm oh, just kidding. 111, 111,
1: <laughs> yeah. 111, 0. So just tell That's probably us one too many. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's probably some binary for something. I'm sure. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, and in particular, tell us about like your history with cards and games, and in general.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, in card game wise, I'll just start there because it's easiest and it's on yeah. topic. Um, before Flesh and Blood, which uh, Taylor introduced me to, and he told me, "Oh, you should really check this out." And so I looked into it, grabbed the starter decks, and just kind of poked around. Used some internet resources to watch some gameplay, yep. learned and kind of wrapped my head around it, but I didn't get too deep into it because I, it was hard by myself. I knew yeah. I was gonna be coming down here mm-hmm. pretty soon, so I was like, "Well, I'll just figure it, most of it out there." Um, historically, though, I played Magic: The Gathering for a very, very, for a pretty long time. Um, played Standard and Magic from a lot of like Shards of Alara through Innistrad. And then kind of stopped with Standard and transitioned mostly full-time to Eternal formats like Modern or Legacy. Um, I was in Modern for like a year or two, but all the decks I played got banned. Um, mm. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I was playing Eggs, and then I got banned, and I was playing Affinity, and then I got pretty much banned. And because
0: and of how good you were, those decks got banned, right? No, no. Those decks oh, were oh. pretty
1: good. Uh, I mostly <laughs> stole them from the internet and played them, and they were a lot of fun. Um, but the format was kind of volatile at that point so i just went back to legacy Mm i also really love legacy as a magic format um you get to see a lot of cards you get to make a lot of decisions there's a lot of just seeing that many cards and making that many decision points makes you feel like you have more control over the state of the game so Mm -hmm. that always really appealed to me cool um so yeah i played legacy for a while and then i haven't really played legacy in the past few years um because i just like time life Pricing, like I just couldn't make weeklies anymore because of work and just other life commitments and monthly tournaments were also pretty Mm -hmm. hard to make it out to. Um, And so, yeah, in Legacy, uh, primarily I played a lot of a lot of things, Um, mostly for played a lot of Storm, even when it was bad and played a lot of Rug, Burn. Um, None of this probably means anything to you, right?
0: (laughs) I know what some of that stuff is. Okay, uh, <laughs> and maybe our audience does too. Yeah, but, for sure. So uh, that's what you're talking about is like a bunch of different styles, kind of, of yeah, decks, types right? of decks yeah.
1: in in Legacy, um, mm-hmm. and then also like dredge because I play like playing degenerate combo, um, and yeah, so like more of like a kind of aggressive style of Magic player with like I'm wanting to present threats and I'm not really worried about answers.
0: Sure. Um, so after Magic. Are you playing, Are you playing card games before Magic, or is Magic your gateway drug into cards? Uh, and then are you playing, like, do you have your mistress card game on the side? <laughs> what's What's the deal there?
1: The deal there is Magic pretty much got me into card games when I was very young, right around Tempest. But I never really played that often, just because mm-hmm. I was, you know, 10. Uh, couldn't afford anything. You
0: were 10-pissed. Uh,
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I'll give that one to you. Um, <laughs> and then magic mostly I tried netrunner for a few months but never found anyone to play with so I sold all of it and then the game died so like all right dodged a good, bullet
0: good timing yeah
1: um also too just like time commitments and like magic I tried a few other what else did I try I played wow tcg once that was pretty fascinating um what uh thinking
0: <laughs> yeah well so um
1: and like board games, like Deck builders right? Like Shards yeah. of Infinity is probably my favorite. I yeah, I, I was just much. gonna
0: get there. Is that like um, my wife and your girlfriend are like really good friends, and that's yeah. how we know each other? Correct. And then you were like, "Oh, you're a fellow kind of nerd, also." Yeah. Check you out like this game. Check out this game, Shards of Infinity, and that's what we play. Like that's how we stay connected is we play that over mobile async, like yeah. all the time,
1: pretty much every day.
0: <laughs> and if you don't know what that game is, um, Listen to one of our previous episodes. I think I talk about it as one of our um, games from the closet segments, but it's a deck builder. It's great. Yeah.
1: Super fun. Um, But yeah, so like Flesh and Blood, I was interested in it because you so emphatically recommended it. And then I was like, well, check this out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because we're trying to like also design our own card game. Yeah. And I brought it up to you. Like, look, I haven't really done anything. Because I've been playing Flesh and Blood <laughs> and this card game is so good and like what I, you know, the design space is so good from that. Yeah, so the design space of Flesh and Blood is like one of the things that's really appealing to me. And I just felt like in our novice design that we're coming up with, we just won't ever attain this. <laughs> yeah. So we should just play it as research.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, the design even interesting. Inter- as I'm learning it, it's just so tight. It's just everything is really thought about now. I would hope so. Um, But it's just, everything just feels like it gels together, like limited like pieces, I guess. Yeah.
0: And we'll we'll dive into that in a little bit more detail and stuff. Um, So that's like you, that's your background, Mm -hmm. mostly magic, that sort of thing. Um, So what are your kind of like, upfront initial impressions of the game and perhaps like what as like a person who knows a lot about magic and maybe some people um are magic players currently looking at this game like what about it is appealing to draw them in i know that's like quite a lot of questions but we'll get through all of those
1: yeah i'll start with the appeal first like i think the appeal is that it's like kind of new it's really new it's only two years old at this point maybe or a year
0: like one year old.
1: One year? Okay. Yeah. And it's just like, that's really exciting because you don't, like with Legacy, you just have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cards and the metagame is super stale and it's like, eventually you're like, okay, these are all the play patterns. And like this, to me, I'm finding really interesting because it's new. Mm-hmm. I have to think about cards in a different way. Yeah. Um, your cards as a resource and less permanence is a really interesting thing to wrap my head around. As I've been learning as well, I've noticed that like inevitability and like, oh, not like non games don't seem to happen as much. Like, I always feel like I have something to do or I have some sort of power to like come back or power to like affect the game through to the very end. Like, we've played a few games where we were both at one for i don't know three or four turns a piece i was like whoa mm-hmm. this is crazy
0: yeah that like, was a really fun game yeah, <laughs> yeah uh,
1: i was like i'm pretty sure this would never happen in magic so there's a lot more back and forth and i feel like my decisions really matter
0: mm-hmm. like
1: in this like but in a lot of magic games like if you're playing certain matches like it's a non-game you're like oh this is a 70 30 match and like why am i even bothering right so that's cool uh so like like if you're coming from magic I think this game is appealing because it still has a lot of interesting decision points and decision trees and you're like okay well this to go here and I need to plan for this and like you get that multi-turn plan mm-hmm. uh, if you like thinking about that type of stuff in the puzzle it's really fun right um there's not as many like just blast you like 9010 decks right now it seems like it seems like right. you always have a chance even in bad matchups
0: yeah um, definitely um, that's some of the things we've talked about early. On in a couple of episodes is that like uh, player skill matters. It seems yeah. like in this game much more than some other games. Like the decks don't autopilot themselves, right? You know, like you still have to be a good player, and you know, there's the saying like a good player with a crappy deck can beat you, yes. but a bad player with a good deck. Uh, is probably not going to beat you if yeah. you're like more skilled.
1: Yeah. Know? And I think too I, the format is really appealing to me as well. It's like one game cuz in, in Magic you play most of your games sideboarded.
0: right So
1: like you when you go to if you were to go to a tournament, you need to like think about the meta game, prepare for the meta game, and then you might just hit some bad matchups and your day's over. You're like, "Oh, cool, I ran into my two worst matchups and I didn't see any of my sideboard cards and so I lost." Right. Uh which feels well, and like I'm not deep enough into this game yet to understand if that's a problem or, or not and right. it doesn't seem that way in the games i've played because i played some of these starter decks against your like fully constructed with specialization decks and like i still felt like i had a chance at some point like oh this is crazy like my deck is pretty underpowered but and i don't know what i'm doing right but i can still in theory if i optimize a little bit more get there
0: right or at least like um you can like think the cards are flexible enough and like the play is flexible enough that you can like think about value, right. Yeah. Your experience of like with other card games and that does carry over to where you can still make good decisions. Right. And I like edge out those games because like, I just know this game better. Right. You know, and the decks are sometimes like, you know, when we're just like, Oh, I'll just play you. I'll just smash your face with this big deck, you know, or whatever. Like um, that does happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you so so what are more of your like kind of an initial impressions, you know? So we can uh, go Flesh like and Blood? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um it's uh
0: Like what what's kind of setting it apart for you compared to like other card games? I think you know? the
1: yeah, I think the like w- way games kind of go and like how you manage your cards really matters your small hand size at first I thought that was going to be like a detriment and it's going to be kind of weird but like it actually is very uh elegant is kind of how I feel yeah like
0: it's it's surprising with four cards how big your decision tree is yeah it's crazy yeah I
1: I really enjoy that and like oh man I'm making so many mistakes and like Mm -hmm. to me learning a new thing or learning and like is really fun and so I'm really enjoying that learning process with flesh and blood and i feel like there's plenty to learn Mm -hmm. uh, and plenty to understand like little minor optim little minor optimizations here and there Mm -hmm. are going to really be interesting
0: yeah definitely so um it's a good segue into like so what are kind of the uh first couple of lessons you've learned like playing games
1: uh flesh and blood games yeah definitely
0: so like if if, if you're going to talk to another new player and you're like, oh, these are things you need to look out for and know about, right? Yeah, Uh,
1: a big one is uh, use your arsenal. I have been failing to do that quite a bit and I've slowly, like you don't feel it at first, but you're like, man, I'm so far behind. But if you realize (laughs) that if you would have been arsenaling the whole time, you would have been eking out that value the whole game. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other another part of why it's also appealing like a lot of small decisions really add up over time so it kind of punishes mistakes but it it makes you think about the long term um other interesting things i've noticed like three is like the magic number and for so what me do you,
0: yeah so what do you mean by three being the magic number
1: it's like the threshold for card value like to me if like three what i've noticed is like if i have uh, a card that attacks for three i know that it's going to probably get a defense card for three and like two they have to decide if they want to spend a three and like not get in equal exchange Mm -hmm. and then that that three is that threshold and then once you bump up to four now they have to spend two cards for your one card and that's Mm -hmm. where you start to eke out all these small minor edges over time
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and like that's how i've been evaluating like oh if i do three damage that's good because it matches up well against all of their best defense cards so they have to use it if they're using a two defense card, I still get it one in. Right. Um,
0: Yeah. And and just to kind of delve into that layer a little bit deeper, it's also interesting because, like, for damage, right, Yeah. you could go, like, three is okay, and then you go to four, and that's better. And then you can go the other way, too, is when you go down to two damage, that's also, like, pretty good because then, like you said, defense defense values to block with are less efficient. Yeah. And if then you could go one more tick and then you go to one and it's like, well, I'm not going to burn a whole card for one. Yeah. Right? And so, then,
1: yeah. So like my first few games with Ninja, I was like, holy moly, Kadachi's crazy. Because yeah. I'm just like chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it feels pretty good when you Kadachi them and they pitch like a three and like, oh, I didn't really, the only thing I'm really spending resources on is my pitch to get my Kadachis going. Mm-hmm. So like, it feels like a good exchange when you're cadaching them a lot.
0: Yeah, it yeah, it feels good early because you're like, cool, doing a little bit of damage, and it feels good really late in the game. Yeah, because they can't afford to um, not take another friggin' <laughs> hole in their side from your kadachis.
1: Yeah, so like th- that's been really interesting. Uh, what other things have I learned?
0: Well, then in like defense, right from three has that as a slightly different kind of dichotomy than attack. So, like, yes. just the bigger the defense, kind of the better it gets to a certain degree, depending on what your opponent is doing. Yeah. And it gets exponentially worse, <laughs> the, like, the smaller you get from three. Like, once you get to defense value two, right? Like, yeah. I remember telling you before we were starting to play, I was like, okay, defense for three is huge. Defense for two is also huge in that it's hugely worse. And you're yeah. like, whatever, it's like one one number away. Oh, like man. how bad could it be? And it's like so much worse. Uh, yeah,
1: as, as I was playing, I was like, oh, I understand now. It like yeah. became so much more evident. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Arsenal was the big one. Three is the magic number. Like thinking about card resources has been really fascinating. I'm like starting to roll that around in my brain about like cards for cards and like what that means and how your card exchanges work out. Uh, I got to think about that a lot more.
0: Okay. But like, Cause I was going to like, okay, explain what you're, oh, sure. what's the early theory on that?
1: Um, if you are attacking and you're pitching your attack, if it's, if it's an attack action card and you're pitching a card, that attack action is worth two cards. So in order to end up equal in the exchange, your best, the best case scenario for you is they block with two right. and then you're even. Yeah. And that's like, to me, that seems great. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times if you're pitching like a two to attack with a two cost attack action, you're down two cards. They blocked with one. You're kind of like I'm down a card, but you also are getting more card velocity through your deck because you're replacing cards at the mm-hmm. end of your turn. So there's like a lot for me to like think about and unpack there, like what the advantages are, how good is seeing more cards in your deck and it doesn't really matter. Like all that type of stuff is really interesting. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, for people who maybe don't know, what do you mean by card velocity?
1: Oh, just like how many cards you see every turn. So like mm-hmm. it, like the format I mostly played in Magic Legacy, like seeing a bunch of cards is really valuable because you have more information, more decision trees, more opportunity. It's, it basically translates into more opportunity to do something, and that right. is always great.
0: Right. Yeah, so in Flesh and Blood, like there's not a lot of draw power, right? There's very yeah. few cards that draw you a card. So yes. if you can kind of play out or pitch four cards or three cards and arsenal a card, yeah. right? So then draw, being able to draw four cards consistently, right, gets you through your deck faster. And like we've talked about um, in previous episodes, like when you're constructing your deck and thinking about your deck strategy, you really got to think whole deck strategy. Yes. Right? Like every card in Flesh and Blood is in there to help you win the game. Like in some other card games, it's like, well, I got, like, these cards that kind of, like, do some stuff, but really I'm just trying to get to my, like, silver bullets, and there's only, like, three of those. Right, your your
1: utility or your, like, oh, I have a tutor target that I'm going to go get because it wins me the game or, like, a toolbox.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Whereas it's not really like that in Flesh and Blood. Like, you need to see kind of all of your cards. Yeah. You know. Yeah, to an extent,
1: yeah, I think some can be like mechanologist to me. From just a glance, seems like a toolboxy style class. Mm-hmm. Like you can probably like run a bunch of singleton items that way with Dash's uh, Class ability. I'm probably butchering terminology. Yeah, so here.
0: mechanologist cards have an ability on them. Uh, boost. So as an additional cost to play the card, you can banish the top card of your deck, and if that is also a mechanologist card your attack gains go again.
1: Right. I'm not speaking about that one. I'm speaking more about like dashes thing where you get to choose an item from your deck oh, right, and start right. with it. Her
0: hero yeah, ability. Her hero ability. Yep. That's the one. There we go. Um
1: Like I said, butcher in terminology.
0: Yeah. Got New it. New player. No, it's all right. That's why <laughs> I'm here.
1: Good. That's great.
0: Show host.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so like to me, she seems like a interesting, can be built. Maybe having touch attack construction. Cause it's very scary. Uh, Ability to toolbox out your deck because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I know I'm gonna be playing Wizard or uh, Arc Knight or Rune Blade, um, and so you start with the Arcane item. I can't remember the name of it right now.
0: Uh, Ether Sync. Ether Sync. Yeah. 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 Right. Um. So that that type of stuff, like we haven't seen that in any competitive meta yet, and there's not like that many competitive metas, but there is the um design space for that to happen that with the um invention of more mechanologist items and cards and that sort of thing that she could skew towards that type of play which it kind of already is like her most successful deck is like a mid-rangey deck but it could be like you know a different build with different items which is really exciting yeah now i'm excited you got me excited
1: (laughs) yeah i mean well but you only start right But you have so much velocity and opt that you can probably find it. Yeah. Like, you're boosting through your deck and opting other stuff. And you're like, okay, well, I want to just get rid of this and just churn through all Mm -hmm. my cards. Yeah. Um, And so it just seems like, yeah, you get all this side bonus. Um, So she's been pretty fast. I've been pretty fascinated by Dash and Mechanologist, at least initially, and a few others, but we'll get into that. Um, Yeah. Other things that I'm, like, trying to wrap my head around... Uh, other things I'm learning. What else? What else? Oh, blocking. I still don't quite understand when to block correctly, and I'm working on that. But it's. Uh, I think it's because I've been playing against a lot of warrior with you, and like mm-hmm. so, I am trying to wrap my head around: Do I play into the swing, or do I kind of hold back and call you out of just like, no, you don't have it, mm-hmm. um, and evaluating those board states. And it's like what the resource constraints are around a turn and learning that has been pretty fascinating.
0: So you mean by that, like uh, how many resources they potentially have and what they can do with those? Yeah. Is what you mean? Yeah. And like sequencing
1: and your cards or your resources, like I'm more used to permanent resources. So hand management becomes way more important and I have to wrap my head around Oh well, I can't use this card. I have to use it to pay for other cards, mm-hmm. and how I walk that razor is really interesting. That yeah. line of like, oh, I can't. Uh, uh,
0: uh. Yeah, I I think my tip on that um, that I've I feel like I haven't reiterated that to you, but maybe you know uh, maybe I have. But it's like you have to do the math of right, like the potential amount of damage that your opponent could do versus the potential amount of damage you can do with your cards. Yeah. So that's what you're weighing back and forth when you're defending. It's like, okay, am I going to take six? Okay. That's pretty tough, but I'm going to deal 12. I'm going to threaten 12. Right. So So that's
1: six back for free.
0: Yeah. Maybe like I'll, if they don't want to take damage, I get four cards, right? Yeah. So you're like maybe muting their turn. If you hold on to those cards. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, that kind of goes into the next thing that I'm kind of wrapping my head around is like how tempo or like aggression and defense goes back and forth. Yeah. it's been kind of a mind, been messing with my head and like how you break serve on these type of things and just playing Mm -hmm. a few turns. Like I was noticing with some, I was just like, I would have an attack, but then I couldn't keep the pressure up to capitalize on my, me being on the attack. Right. And like breaking serve back, like, seems very important and like how you manage what side of the coin you're on of attack and defense and properly understanding that like i've done like i'm gonna just keep attacking yeah and then i'm just like oh i'm very dead because i I was just like wasting reds like yeah like i think the first few games of ninjas like yeah just keep going just keep going i don't care if it gets in i'm getting cards out of your hand yeah like yeah that's good but then i'm like Oh, no, it's not good. <laughs> yeah,
0: now my attacks only do one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, oh, dang, I forgot what I was going to say on that. What were we talking about? We're talking about...
1: How about you identifying when you need to, like, break survival oh, right. on the yeah. attack like making the defense. Yeah,
0: making all those, like, kind of um, small, advantageous things. Like, oh, okay, now I'm left with... I took two damage and I use two cards and I have two cards left in hand, right? So like maybe a mistake is to use both of those cards to attack, right? But maybe a better play would be to Use one to just chip a little damage in or get a card and then arsenal the other one. Yeah. So now, right, like we talked about with card velocity, now you're actually seeing five cards on your next turn right. rather than just four. Mm-hmm. And even if you had to block with all four, you're still seeing five again because you have one in arsenal. Yeah. You know? And so that those, like, tiny things, you kind of have to hold yourself back is kind of what it is. Yeah. Right? I'm
1: not very good at that yet. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and gain those that tiny advantage back to maybe where your life total gets a little closer um, or that you can like, you get a really big defense reaction in Arsenal and you just shut down their turn for just basically one card in Arsenal. And now you get to hold on to three cards. Yeah. I got a
1: few turns like that. I was like, Oh, this is really powerful. Like now there's one thing I I, like, I guess overpower is a perfect example. You burn two cards Mm Or wait, no. Uh, the
0: overpower, the... um
1: Not overpower, the defense.
0: Unmovable. Unmovable. Yeah. That one. Because um,
1: mm-hmm. it's like blocks for six or seven from Arsenal for the one of the versions. The yellow. The yellow.
0: So red unmovable costs three, defense for seven, and then if it's played from Arsenal, it gets plus one, so then defense for eight.
1: Yeah, which is pretty crazy against like Warrior. I was like, oh... That just shuts everything down. Mm. And I only burned one card from hand.
0: Totally. And, and it doesn't trigger a reprise because it's from Arsenal.
1: Yeah. Yep. And like those like small minor lessons have been really interesting. I'm just like, oh, okay, how do I win these card exchanges? And like, it's still very new, I'm still trying to feel out a lot of reading, a lot of reading cards. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and since the game kind of really goes down to, you know, maybe both players are. You know, one player's at 8 and the other one's at 5, you know, making yeah. those tiny adjustments like really matter to yeah. to make sure you can have some momentum in that like final quarter of the game, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you like I mean? don't
1: know if we've had any blowouts this whole time. There might have been one where it was like 13 to death, Yeah, but... maybe.
0: I feel like I was ahead pretty well in one of my visceri matchups against you and I just like had the winning combo and then you know used my health as a resource went down to low life yeah and then just kept my cards and and then just won right so then like the end of the game winds up being like four to zero but it's like not actually that close (laughs) (laughs) anyway um what else you got on you because you made a lot of notes yeah always
1: underutilized weapons as like some classes um and this like also just speaks to the design of a lot of these like as ninja, like I was really incentivized to Kodachi because it said Go Again, and I became really enamored with Go Again because like oh I get to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was actually I think a trap because now when I play other classes, I'm like in my head I'm sequencing so I'm like oh I get to do this one, do that one, do this one. And I'm like oh no 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 doesn't have Go Again. I need to just be like slow and steady and use my weapon to like save my cards, which mm-hmm. is something i haven't been picking up on but like the way ninja leads you to use a Kadachi, like kind of and go again i used Kadachis a lot but then when i was playing like brute i like never used club because i just didn't mm-hmm. think about it and i was like oh two no go again Ugh, get out of here it <laughs> yeah. sucks and yeah like,
0: totally but it attacks for four which is like you know the magic number that we yeah. were talking about earlier yeah
1: then, like i realized after like that was the game where i kind of was like, oh. Three is the magic number. Like, and mm-hmm. it made more sense to, or at least in my mind, in my framework as I'm learning, it right. made it became more valuable after playing and not using club and thinking back that I should, probably should have used club mm-hmm. to just hit yeah, for four.
0: Yeah, because romping club costs two attacks for four, and then if you've discarded um, an attack of six, six that has a value attack value of six, then it gets plus one, so then it's two for five, which is um, pretty good yeah uh, but it's like good on its own yeah as well you know
1: i feel like the trigger though doesn't happen unless you've attacked with an attack action card mm-hmm. so it feels like you shouldn't be focusing on the plus one at all and you should like just get to like this is like the purity of it of or what its purpose is is like two resources attack for four mm-hmm. and if this happens nice yeah but a lot of times brute doesn't have a lot of go again so you don't, like, get that opportunity to get the little extra plus one. Yeah. Maybe I need to play it more. I probably need to play it more to understand. But...
0: Yeah, there's definitely, like, a lot of nuance there. And it's and you can get to that, like, uh, two for five uh, situation. But um, that's a different rabbit hole yeah. to go down.
1: Also, just evaluating cards has been uh, difficult, I think, for me. Because all, a lot of the cards have the same name but do different things. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm getting it, but, like, the flexibility of a card matters. like.
0: Right, yeah. This is something we were talking about uh, pre-podcast time is that, like, um, this is a really interesting topic on, like, how to evaluate cards kind of, like, your first time through. Because yeah. So, like, a lot of new players might be playing, like, sealed or draft, right? Yeah. And you just have to, like—because it's not always— about oh this one attacks for seven oh it's good it's good like i'll just draft that one right there's like a, a little bit more nuance mm-hmm. to the cards and that sort of thing in evaluating them so what have you learned so far about like what makes a card perhaps valuable over another card
1: uh yeah i think pitching for three is really good mm-hmm. um and i, I t- i've been learning that like those cards aren't as good on the attack but they work in a pinch um, right
0: and there's some exceptions to that obviously sure for sure yeah but, yeah
1: yeah these are like general like card evaluation guidelines mm-hmm. like oh you pitch for three and you cost zero yep. it's like crazy good in my opinion yeah um especially
0: and, if it defends for three then too. yeah and then
1: yeah. to me that like that right now since I'm learning like that sort of I pitch for three I cost zero and I defend for three is great I don't really care even then what the attack value is or like a lot of the text on the text box. <laughs> I'm just like, you do almost all the things I want you to do. You generate resources for other cards. You cost no pitching to play and you defend for three. Like mm-hmm. you're good at all stages of the game. Well, however much damage you do or whatever's in the text box, is just a bonus at that point. Like right. you're just so flexible, mm-hmm. at least in my very infantile understanding of the game. Like yeah, those modes and those areas of the games. Like, oh, you just work.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, definitely. I think those are um, some of the the best cards for sure. And of course, like you know, there's some cards like um, Whisper of the Oracle that has a really narrow ability. You know, it only ops two cards, mm-hmm. which could be good, um, but it depends on the deck and that sort of thing. But it is a zero three or a zero blue that defense for three. And so maybe in like a draft situation, that would be like a pretty good card to kind of pick up. Maybe not your first choice. Obviously right. you're going to take that, that rare or that uh, majestic. Yeah. You know, first, but
1: got to pick the money.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, but those are, those would be good cards to think about putting in the deck also in yeah. that format. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what else we got going on here?
1: Um, I might've talked about this already, but like, Oh yeah, go again. steady pressure oh yeah that was the thing i'm like ah
0: like tempo right yeah
1: like tempo like yeah just like if i can consistently pressure you that's valuable because i'm up if i can make you pitch cards i I don't know i think i think i think i've already talked about this but just like i was saying i was enamored with go again Mm -hmm. but then i slowly realized that i should just be working on applying consistent pressure and stocking arsenal maybe instead of just like like vomiting my hand every turn with go again chains i'm just like oh cool do this and but like mm-hmm. losing out on the extra card i get to see from stowing away in an arsenal and just kind of holding back a bit yeah it's kind of like
0: mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a uh, common early player to the game uh mistake yeah <laughs> i don't want to use the word mistake but uh, i don't have a better one at the moment because then uh, if you're going to run out of all your red cards right mm-hmm. then once the game gets later right once you get to that fourth quarter all of your attacks you just have m- much less many less threats left in your deck yeah to threaten your opponent with and try to get into the win right right so yeah. then if they can just easily like block out all of your attacks then you're gaining no ground or if you're not going to push through enough damage then they can't you know, they're not going to feel your pressure and then they can um, attack you, you know. So,
1: yeah,
0: I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. It's right? yeah, yeah. like sometimes you're going to have to instead of just always pitching blues, sometimes you need to pitch reds. So you see those Ugh, cards later,
1: which feels so bad.
0: Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh, which is what like is um, part of my game plan in our most recent like um, you played my control visceride deck and i very hard yeah it's pretty tough but i like helped you know i coached you through half of that game yeah which helped and it wound up being a really good game and you got the hang of it but that was my strategy in that warrior as i played the warrior matchup like i made sure i pitched my routes and my other specialization cards like singing steel blade and glint um and steel blade supremacy iron song determination like all my best cards i made sure like early game i pitched those because i knew those were going to come back and have like way more value at the end of the game yeah i think oh
1: that's the other thing that's really interesting to me about this game is like how your deck and what you pitch for resources you see again yeah right like that's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting to me because like that yeah like that decision you make on the early turns matters Matters. (laughs) yeah
0: exactly and i think i think that's also cool like there's a i think it's more viable in blitz right now because um
1: deck sizes are smaller yeah totally Is you that, see more cards
0: yeah that you can you could stack your deck right mm-hmm. you could survive like the first half of the game and then um all of a sudden just like flip the switch and like okay here we go here's here's the four card combo i set up turn one two and four you know to yeah get these four cards now you're screwed bro
1: that's so crazy <laughs>
0: You know, then that's like a whole, that's such a cool part of the game to me that that's like another level of play, right? Yeah. Is that you could do something like that.
1: Yeah. The levels of play with this game feel really exciting. Um, I'm like looking forward to playing more. And like when I get back home, just like finding a group and like seeing seeing how much they play and all that type of stuff. Um,
0: Yeah. So if you're in the Seattle area. Yeah. Hit Thomas up. You're on Discord now, right? I am. Yeah. So what's your handle on Discord?
1: Uh, I don't even remember.
0: It's Void. I know. Is that. it okay? Yeah. <laughs> I I, I, I It's sure. with a zero instead of an O, though, right? Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't
1: sure if there was a ha- like a pound and a number. I, like, oh, so, I don't like, know. There's so many services that do that to find the account, you know.
0: Oh, right. I think you can just put Void. Yeah. And it will uh, find it. I think so.
1: Like I know, like my Blizzard ID and like my Riot ID are like my name and then pound a bunch of numbers so that there's no name collision people can be who they want to be um
0: yep it is void with a zero yeah instead of an o
1: yeah cool yeah i'm on the discord now i'm um, gonna try to just hoover up as much information as possible and learn as much as i can i don't yeah i'm gonna probably just do a bunch of research when i get home on like play and when they meet Um pretty busy overall with like work and just life stuff so i don't know how often i'm gonna play but yeah
0: they'll hit you up and you guys can figure that out yeah so uh what deck so now that you've played you've played every class but guardian and wizard
1: which is unfortunate because wizard sounds crazy appealing to me because <laughs> i was a storm pilot for so many years
0: yeah um, but so then other than wizard uh, what other decks are you excited about, and why? Or I guess not. I guess not decks, but heroes. Heroes,
1: right? okay. Um, or classes, I guess.
0: Yeah, either. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Ninjami seems really cool because you just kind of chip away at them over the course of the game, and it can set up these int- intricate like combo chains and like go mm-hmm. real vertical and big if you have to, but you don't need to, right. and you're just like slowly cutting them down um not so into the brute right now because i don't quite get it which is pretty <laughs> amazing
0: because
1: i don't know it's like on paper or like presented it looks kind of brutish or like oh you're just a meathead but mm-hmm. i'm like oh i don't get it yeah. um and it's like hard it's oh, it's really hard yeah um, it,
0: it takes a lot of sequencing correctly and that sort of thing yeah yeah
1: um I read an article by who was his name?
0: I'm not sure which article.
1: The like if you're coming from Magic, these are the type of oh, decks and what they're Matt art- Rogers Matt Ar- Rogers article
0: heard. on Channel Fireball.
1: Yeah, and so that kind of gave me a an idea of like kind of where those slotted. I don't know enough to like know, but like other anyways. Um, but the heroes I'm like pretty interested in right now are. Warrior seems pretty, uh, most, a lot of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, gun to your head if you had to pick three. So you pick, okay. you pick Ninja. Yeah. Right? Ninja's pick on Ninja, your list.
1: Uh, mechanologist.
0: And so what is it about Mechanologist that Oh man, got to go appealing. fast, baby. Yeah. You're boosting. Yeah, you like, like that.
1: Yeah, and yeah. like I don't care about the cards in my library. I'm just, I mean, I get to go again. Go <laughs> yeah. again? Going again is sweet. Yeah. And like Ninja gets to go again. Love going again.
0: Yeah, playing cards.
1: <laughs> playing cards. I mean, I am playing cards to play cards. <laughs> so, uh Mechanologist, Ninja, and uh maybe I don't know what like a control style is, but when I was playing viscerai it felt pretty cool. I'd want to play Guardian some more to understand how that like defensive type of playstyle pans mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, Mechanologist, Ninja.
0: We got you got Ranger, you got uh, Warrior, you got Brute. You have uh, you know, Guardian.
1: It'd probably be like somewhere between Warrior or Wizard. Just because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how Wizard plays, but like everything I've read sounds super appealing to me. Because yeah. I also played a ton of Burn in Magic, which is like when I look through the card names of Wizards, like Lightning Bolt, like Arc, like all these like crazy fast instant speed spells. And yeah. playing at instant like speed for me makes me feel like I have a ton of control over my game state, and I get to like m- I get to make the decision on when I'm doing the damage.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So probably those three unless like guardian is super cool so like ninja mechanologist and probably wizard blind
0: yeah wizard blind that's fun
1: yeah i was like yeah i'll just i'll trust it (laughs) i think
0: those are um those are all great picks and those are uh you know i think every class in this game is really cool this is you know because if if you're uh an avid listener of our podcast you know that typically i only play two classes so it has been a really nice chance to play with you and play with like all the other classes i don't get to play with yeah. you know and be like oh yeah that's you know you just forget because now i'm like you know specialized or whatever yeah. that i uh you just forget that how much fun the other classes can be yeah and that sort of thing you know that so makes sense that has been uh a nice bonus for me <laughs> you know i
1: really wish i would have brought guardian i feel so silly
0: yeah totally i don't well that's that's off podcast talk i suppose um well is there anything else uh thomas you uh want to talk about like flesh and blood or just in general you know anything um, you want to say before we sign off here
1: i've been really enjoying flesh and blood and i'm really excited to learn more about it uh the dynamics of the game moment to moment feel very interesting and i'm having a blast. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited to continue playing and try to play when I can. That's pretty much it. Like I don't know, it's it's fun, it's super fun.
0: Yeah, it is. It is really fun, and I've been having a ton of fun with you. And I'm excited to uh, play some more games. You're still here for like a, another day, so, I think so yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll definitely try to get some more games. Speed in play, that way.
1: make a bunch of mistakes, <laughs> learn yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, well, great, man. I really appreciate you sitting down with me and being on the podcast. And yeah. Let me pick your brain and let cool. people know um, your thoughts on it and that sort of thing. I think that's valuable information, especially for the amount of new players that are coming into the game um, from the unlimited releases and, and Europe and, and all that other stuff. So, yeah, I really thank, appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I Thank you for asking me all this and introducing me to this very wonderful, exciting game.
0: Cool, yeah, and then look for the game me and Thomas design in like twenty thirty. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, totally. One you heard, day. You heard it here first, though, <laughs> on uh, in in uh, November twenty twenty. So, we ten called years. it ten years. We'll be uh, magnates of the card game industry. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Taylor. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview, um, get at Thomas on Discord, uh, and all that stuff. So here we go. Uh, this is the last part of the show. This is uh, where we usually have our signature segments. Um, there's no Isaac today, obviously, so we won't have Riddle Me This with Isaac, but I do have a Pick, Pass, pray for everyone and a game from the closet. So Pick, Pass, pray is our draft format where I'm going to give you three cards and I obviously don't have a co-host this time to have uh, any sort of parody with, but you can do this at home and just look up the cards yourself and figure out which one you would like. So we just recently um, had our battle bros tournament for the month of December um, and, Part of that part of my Christmas present to uh, the play group was I got an unlimited box of Arcane Rising and we drafted half of that and we have saved the other half for later. Um, so these were some of the cards that I um, got in packs. Dropped one, (laughs) have the physical cards. Embarrassing, but it wouldn't be an attack action podcast without some sort of weird moment in it. So there it is. Um, Anyway, so these are going to be three cards. Draft scenario, you're going to pick one, you're going to pass one, and you're going to pray that you get one back. Um, I may have done some of these before, but... uh, good practice regardless so our first card we have is push the point red costs one defends for two attacks for four and it has a text box that reads if the last attack on the combat on this combat chain hit push the point gets plus two so in arcane rising if Potentially, you have um, an attack with go again, like a uh, Sikkim shot or something like that, and then you play, and that hits, and then you play push the point, it will do, it'll actually be one for six, which is really powerful in draft. Our second card we have is Vigor Rush Blue, cost one, pitches for three, defense for two, attack for two, and it reads... If you have played a non-attack action card this turn, Vigor Rush gains go again. Pretty interesting. I think that's a really great card for Rune Blade when you play something like um, maybe Oath of the Ark Knight. Then you play Vigor Rush. Does pop your rune chance, but then you can swing in with Nebula Blade. Um, and still get the buffed Nebula Blade from Oath of the Arc Knight. It's just kind of a good mix up. And our third and final card is Moonwish, the yellow version. Cost two pitches for two, defends for two, attacks for four, and it reads: You may put a card from your hand on top of your deck rather than pay Moonwish's resource cost. If Moonwish hits, search your deck for a card named Sun Kiss, reveal it and put it into your hand then shuffle your deck so an attack for four is pretty annoying um because that maybe takes two cards to defend and for it not to hit and your opponent doesn't know in a draft scenario whether or not you've drafted sun kiss and will then have it in your hand to be able to play um And this was a scenario I was in in our draft. I definitely did wind up drafting two Yellow Moon Wishes, and I got a Red Sun Kiss, um, which was pretty fun. So those are our three cards. Which one are you going to pick, which one are you going to pass, and which one are you going to pray you get back? My choices are going to be, I'm going to pick Push the Point. Um, One for six is really good and the fact that most cards are going to hit in a draft scenario where generics are much more desirable than perhaps the class cards are uh, it'll be pretty easy to get your first attack to hit then i am going to pray that vigor rush comes back i think that's a pretty good blue and then kind of late in the game um, an attack for two with go again uh, could be pretty devastating, um, since you'll be pitching it early. And then I'm going to pass Moonwish. I definitely gambled in our most recent draft that Sun Kiss was going to come up, and it did in my third pack. Um, but I don't think that is going to be the case always. So let us know on Facebook or Instagram uh, or email us at the Attack Action Podcast what your picks. We're going to be for pick, pass, prey. All right, our last part of the show here is a game from the closet. Now, I believe it's my turn. And if it's not, well, Isaac isn't here to refute my claim. So my game from the closet this week is Railroad Inc. Now, I picked that game because it's a really nice game to play um, with family and friends around the holidays. It's pretty low stress. Um, and is really easy to teach. So what the game is, it's called a roll-and-write. So like Yahtzee. Yahtzee's a roll-and-write. Um, you roll some dice, and then you write down what comes out on those dice. But the, the dice are custom, and they have different um, railways and roadways on them with different shapes. And then you get this dry erase grid, basically, and you need to use the symbols that show up on the dice to make railways and roadways that's hard to say (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you need to connect those together to these different parts on your dry uh, race board and you play for seven rounds and then there's a way to score points at the end of the game and uh, the person with most points wins now what's really nice about it is that every player takes their turn simultaneously so someone rolls the dice and then everybody gets to figure out the puzzle of how to most efficiently use the symbols on the dice to maximize your turn but everybody does it at the same time and it's kind of this nice like oh gosh that wasn't what i really needed it wasn't really what you needed nice we're we're suffering together kind of this shared uh, puzzle and it winds up making a very interesting uh, pattern on your player board when you have all these roads and railways interconnecting and spidering out together so in the fact that it has really nice components a dry erase board um, means that you're not going through paper and uh, it's very reusable which i really like so that's my game from the closet it's railroad inc so anyway um that's our show i hope you guys enjoyed it if this is your first episode of the attack action podcast please know that there are seven more before this um and give those a listen tell your friends etc um Oh, gosh, a shout-out I forgot at the beginning of the show. I'm not going to re-record this. <laughs> but something I forgot to shout-out at the beginning is we now have listeners from Finland. So shout-out to our listeners from Finland. I have known a few Finnish people in my life, particularly I have a pretty good friend now who lives in Canada in Whitehorse, Pia, and she just had uh, a new son, Aldo. Um, And she's just a great person. And everybody I've met from Finland has been really awesome. You seem like you have a cool country. I want to go there someday. So shout out to you guys in Finland. Keep up the good work. So with that being said, um, please like us on Facebook at the Attack Action Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. Send us an email if you want at the attack action podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you the listener um, improvements you want to hear from us in the show things you liked um, you just really anything anything on your mind please uh, send us something (laughs) but if you don't want to that's okay too um, oh, I appreciate all of you and that you're listening to this podcast. It's, it's been really wonderful, the amount of listens we've been getting recently and that sort of thing, and uh, um, I, and I know Isaac, really appreciate it, and we're going to continue to do our best moving forward into the new year 2021. I think it's going to be a big year for the game. It's going to be a big year for us as a podcast Um And that sort of thing. So look forward to kind of new and better content coming out this new year. We're really excited. We're going to have, we're lining up some interviews to do on the podcast from uh, kind of community members here in the U.S. to kind of give them more of a voice and that sort of thing. And then uh, look for our YouTube videos of our in-life gameplay. Get to see our very attractive Fingernails and wrists and that sort of thing. So, thanks again, and we'll catch you in the new year. Bye bye.